We have a hurricane forming that could have deadly consequences, but has such a cute name, everybody fell in love with it. Meanwhile, Tim Tebow may not be good enough to play baseball, but he's good enough to go from bad baseball to not-so-bad baseball. And a man stabs another man because he says he looked like SpongeBob SquarePants and was slighted. And those three stories did not make the top ten stories for this week in our countdown. So what stories were the biggest stories for conversation in this past week? We'll find out about that in just a moment. This is a weekly wrap-up podcast from thisistheconversation.com, and this is the week ending July 1st, 2017. And welcome to this podcast. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. I'm the host of all the goings on inside of ThisIsTheConversation.com, where we provide daily podcasts Monday through Friday, which recaps the day's news. On Monday, we recap three days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the weekend. And here on Saturday, we come in for the Big Shebang podcast, where we talk about the top stories of the week and the ones that we think are still pretty important, but, of course, didn't make the top ten. And it's always interesting, uh, we, as long as we've been doing this in this format, how many stories that sneak into the top ten that we don't expect. This was a week where a lot of stories that I thought were going to stay in the top ten uh, were somewhat mercilessly pushed out of the top ten. We'll talk about that and their positioning in just a bit. But first, we're going to get into the top ten stories. Now, to be a part of this podcast and all the other podcasts, the daily recaps we have, it's a very simple process. All we're asking you to do is to follow us and see what we're doing, see what we're talking about, and talk with us about that. Respond, reply, comment as you will. On social media, you can follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. On Facebook, it is This is a Conversation. And on our main website, which is thisisaconversation.com, go there as well. And you can reply to any single story, leave comments on anything there on social media. You can retweet, you can share, you can uh, do what you want to. As many responses we get to these stories, we know which which ones get the most love. We tally up all three sources and then take a look at them at the top of the, the bottom of the week, end of the week, if you will. And then we do this thing. We'll start off with the top 10, then we'll get into some other thens, and we are slowly working in our weekly interview. That's been a bit of logistics problem so far, but uh, I think life is the evening up some things and making things a little better. And so we'll start having some insights from people out there and some people that I think you'll really want to hear from how they see the news as it goes. So let's start off with the top 10 Letterman style, going backwards from 10 to 1. The 10th biggest story from the week, the most responses, is about the civil rights uh, civil rights sign honoring Emmett Till. Another vandalization of said sign. This is the second uh, vandalization of that sign in particular in about three years, and it is about the fifth or so vandalization of, of a monument on the walk they have in Mississippi that is celebrating and some say memorializing some of the people who fought and some who died in the civil rights era uh, here in the United States back in essentially the 50s through the early 70s. Now, Emmett Till was a young man, a teenager, who was kidnapped and beaten and hung and killed uh, for allegedly essentially uh, looking at and whistling at a random white girl out in public. This, of course, not exactly keen action to do back in the day. The problem with this actual story is the actual the fabricated or the story that actually got him um, um, in trouble was essentially fabricated by someone in that sense. That person has had to retract the story. Uh, obviously, he has been dead more than 30 years. It's a long time to kind of get things back. And a lot of people just want the monument and his memory to live on and with the dignity that it can. However, us being humans, 
uh, we like to break stuff that doesn't belong to us and show disrespect. That is why people have once again started scratching and tearing out pieces of this particular sign for Emmett Till in Mississippi. Another just sad testament to people not leaving well enough alone when things are literally dead and buried in this case. A number nine story was Vladimir Putin, who seems to make a lot of these top tens. He's a pretty big guy, pretty big point into these things. But this is a story that came out last week about Vladimir Putin giving direct instructions to help elect Donald Trump as U.S. president. Now, is this a surprise? Not to anyone, the fact that someone would say Putin did this and not to many who believe that Putin actually did this. But what we have is many of the intelligence agencies and people, a lot of these people are past members, people who are no longer in the administration, no longer in the agencies who have moved on to other things, who are testifying and speaking out about what's going on and what they saw. And without saying much in the way of classification, they're saying the proof is there that Putin essentially made the call. Someone at Putin's level would have to do this to make this thing happen, to make it legitimate and to make it so it's easy to get away with. Now, essentially what they did, uh, whether they actually succeeded directly in getting President Trump as President Trump, is still kind of a mystery to the general public. But they did find ways to hack into various systems. Of course, you know about hacking into email systems and then sending out emails, weaponized emails, if you will, uh, the wrong emails at the right time to get the wrong message out or the right message, if you will. But the Russians or Russian agents, at least, found ways to hack into various systems across the United States, various uh, counties and their voting systems to just get in there. How much meddling was done? We don't believe very much. But the administration knew about this well into uh, the 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 lifestyle of the election, well before things going on around August, well before the election was going on, and had said some notes, if you're paying attention, including some strong words directly to Vladimir Putin by President Barack Obama at a meeting before the election happened, leading before this whole thing went down. Now, we're still dealing with the whole Russia collusion thing, which is actually a separate issue. Whether the Russians did something to hack the election is one thing. Whether the actors were involved with the the government and or the Trump administration to make this happen is a totally separate issue. And that's where we're trying to figure out why there's such an issue for Trump trying to figure out what the truth is. Maybe because if it's found that Russia actually did have a hand in swinging the election one way, it makes his election illegitimate, and maybe he thinks he'll lose the job or the power or the juice or whatever. We'll talk more about Trump and losing power and juice in just a bit. Meanwhile, to number eight story, the CBO is doing its thing, did its independent report, and some people may not be happy with that, but it did a report on the new side of the health care bill. That is the Republicans' version in the Senate. Now, we know that the version went down by 13 senators, and not even 13 senators, 13 people, uh, some senators, some staffers, just a room of guys, literally white guys, if you will, working on the health care bill that the Republicans were supposed to vote on this week. It's not being voted on until after the uh, after the recess for the fourth. That's another issue in itself. But from the CBO report, which, of course, said that the House bill would have a loss of 23 million people and their health insurance. Essentially, those people would instantly have no insurance. The CBO says the Senate would kill about 22 uh, policies for uh, the Americans, that meaning about a million less. So if that's how you want to rate being a nicer bill, then it's a nicer bill. 
However, many of the same problems of the House bill live in the Senate bill, and some there are actually larger exacerbations of just problems that, as you will, for health care. Now, recently, Donald Trump, the president, uh, sent out a tweet asking for to just go ahead and just repeal Obamacare anyway and just replace it with something later. Take the right amount of time to work up a good bill. But if you've ever followed anything in Washington, you know that if you put a deadline on something, Washington sometimes does not react very well to getting things done on time. So that would, of course, leave people without health care if they don't replace it at whatever point in time they give it there instantly. And that would be a total nightmare. We go to story number seven. And two weeks ago, All Eyes on Me was was released, the movie, the biopic about the life and times of Tupac Shakur, or at least a sort of fictionized account of some lives and some times of Tupac Shakur. And fictionalized is essentially where we're getting some. A lot of people weren't very happy with their portrayal in the movie or the portrayal of Tupac himself in the setting. One person not happy about the actual film is writer Kevin Powell, who says that uh, many of the characters in this film are essentially uh, written from or stolen from, he, he would say, from his writings. He wrote a lot about Tupac in the day and wrote a lot of things in sort of a fictional view of characters being around himself. So he's saying that many of the characters that are listed in the movie that are just centered around the life, the, a, a swath of time in Tupac's life, were essentially stolen from his stuff, rewritten, maybe retooled slightly, and maybe some were smashed together as these things happen in biopics. But Kevin Powell says that uh, All Eyes on Me, the story, the main story essentially, copyright infringement because the stories are his, he's suing for his cut. Here in Arkansas, uh, we had a battle over a Ten Commandments monument that was going to be erected on the state capitol grounds. This started two years ago. A bill was passed by the House and the Senate here in Arkansas that was allowed a monument on the state grounds. That monument was going to cost about fifteen dollars to $20,000. That was two years ago. There was plenty of fights and battles between various people going all the way to the Supreme Court on the legitimacy of, legitimacy of doing this, whether uh, it's a, a violation of free speech, a violation of um, separation of church and state. Uh, we have a group here called the Free Thinkers that tried to push to get a satanic um a satanic uh, just statue up with a goat's head doing whatever uh, someone uh, referenced putting up a festivist pole here in town it got really silly for a while and then the issue seemed to go away it went away so far that after two years they were able to sort of erect the statue in secret or in quiet so on a quiet Wednesday morning around 7 in the morning they put it up and had a small ceremony for a Ten Commandments monument that's on the state house grounds by 5 a.m. on Thursday, the monument was knocked down and destroyed. Now, this is where it gets really, really weird or really, really funny or just you, you be the judge. Uh, a man decided that he had the right and he had the gall and he was going to shout out for freedom, literally shouting out freedom as he recorded himself hitting the monument, knocking it over at 5 in the morning, less than 22 hours after the thing was put up in the in the morning or the, the morning before. It became a pretty big thing here, and the weird thing about us doing the story on this was I was waiting until the next day to talk about the fact that people were talking about the legitimacy of having a Ten Commandments monument on the State House grounds, and before we can even get enough juice for that to catch up, 
we had to deal with the guy knocking it over. The guy has a history of A, mental health, and B, knocking over Ten Commandments because he did it in Oklahoma about a year ago. He's being held here on a $100,000 bond for um, breaking property or whatever the, the, the charge was. And he actually put up a GoFundMe page before this thing happened, essentially looking to fix his car after he did this. The ironic thing about that was his car essentially took very little damage because there was no anchor at the top of the statue. He basically just had to, uh, had to basically just push it, and it fell over. Now the man who's responsible for getting this thing up in the first place, our state senator by the name of Jason Rapert, is looking for $100,000 for a replacement uh, monument statue, which will probably have more anchors, be a little heavier, and probably be a little bigger in the main point. But a uh, little Arkansas love. We'll have some more Arkansas love stories that are a little, are even more weirder coming on down the line. But that, was, that made the top ten because it was a pretty big deal for the court case, and then some crazy guy knocks it over. Now, this is our number five story. Hamas bans dog walking in the Gaza Strip. Why is this meaning of anything? Well, we all know, if you focus on that part of the world, that the Gaza Strip is a very poor and a very just kind of a desolate uh, area. It, number one, it's in the middle of the desert. It's in land that is in dispute between the Palestinians and the Israelis on who actually owns it. And Hamas is just sort of the group that sort of runs the thing. They have a religious bent. They also have a kind of a terrorist bent, if you will. And they want to run a pretty tight ship in their little part of the world that they control. Something they can't control is the people and their love of dogs in the Gaza Strip. Having dogs is seen as a symbol of freedom for people who don't see much freedom and much joy. And because of this, they're a big deal. And people like to show off their dogs. Just like here in America, people like showing off their dogs even more than their kids, people love to show off their dogs and walk them down the street. Now, Hamas's reasoning for banning walking your dogs in the Strip is that, A, women and children are afraid of the dogs, which may or may not be a thing. But, B, it's probably more along the lines of the religious bent that I talked about. Uh, it's in a very, uh, very strict religious order, in a place where they believe that walking, walking animals or owning pet animals is essentially a show of idolism, uh, that's not such a great thing for religion. So having a dog and parading it around the streets is not such a great thing. You can still have your dog. You can live in your yard and do whatever you want to. No longer be able to walk it out in public. We'll see how long this ban is actually going to live on. Back to President Trump. This one became the fourth story, and it's probably would have got a little higher if we had a couple more days to get it in there. But this happened literally the day before today, which is the day we're actually taping this. But President Trump sends a personal attack tweet to insult uh, MSNBC morning Joe hosts, that those, those being Mika Brzezinski and Joe Scarborough. Why am I saying Mika first when the show is named Morning Joe? Well, the real fireworks set off on his depiction of Mika Brzezinski. Let's back the whole thing up to where we got from. If you remember way, way back when during the election, Joe and Mika and the cast, the gang of Morning Joe, had frequent talks with the candidate, Donald Trump, on the air talking about various things uh, throughout the way. And then they started getting, that being the host of the show, a bit more critical, as you know you would do as it got closer and closer to the election. And Donald Trump got a little more miffed at not being treated as greatly by these two guys as they did before and, you know, started shutting things down. 
You may remember a talk about uh, Mika and Joe, although there's also talk about Mika and Joe and their secret, not so secret love affair marriage thing. Uh, spending time with Donald Trump at his Mar-a-Lago resort for New Year's Eve. This is before the election, of course. Um, but, uh, or actually, this is actually after the election, I should say. But uh, the big issue came in the tweet that came down yesterday, as we're taping this on Friday. So it came down on Thursday. It read something similar to, I don't have it full in front of me, but basically it said, I heard the folks at Morning Joe were talking bad about me because I don't listen anymore. But someone told them this. Uh, then he rattled off some stuff calling Mika low IQ and stupid and calling Joe Psycho Joe. And then he went on in the second tweet about them hanging out for three days around New Year's at the Mar-a-Lago Resort, insisting on hanging out with Trump. Uh, and then Trump dropped in a line that Mika's uh, face was bleeding from a recent face face recent plastic surgery, recent face job, eye job, whatever. Um, so... Uh, and then Trump said no, which brings in a lot of questions. If Trump didn't see them to hang out with them, how do you know that Mika's face was bleeding from a from a from a facelift? Who knows? How come it was reported in the past that they were at the big party with Trump? And so why is Trump saying he didn't let them in? And why is this even matter right now? Well, because Donald Trump's been being hit up by having the fake. Uh, Time magazine covers in some of his resorts uh, and Mika Brzezinski in particular has been targeting a lot of Donald Trump actions as being stupid and petty and just not becoming of a president and then he sends out a pretty nasty tweet that is stupid and petty and not becoming of a president which made the full days of conversation on all the major networks about Donald Trump and his tweets not so much about the two or three things of very important legislation that went down all day yesterday. We're still talking about the tweets day after now in real time. Number three is an overturned oil tanker exploding in Pakistan that killed uh, about 150 people total at the first initial uh, marking we put down at 112. Now, this was a serious issue where a tanker going down through a busy uh, busy part of town um, careened out of control and exploded and just the story got odder and odder as people were essentially drawn to the tanker uh, moving towards it in ways where a second explosion actually killed more people Uh, we of course have our thoughts and prayers out to the folks who are dealing with the situation there and now we go to Serena Williams this is a week where Serena and Venus both made the news for non-tennis reasons we'll get to, to Venus in a minute but right now Serena is the number two story um, responded to John McEnroe John McEnroe has a new book out and he did some press junket stuff and he made it had an interview on NPR where he's once again asked about the women players and specifically Serena who essentially is now becoming uh, seen as the greatest player ever in most comparisons he said she'd be something, quote, like 700 in the world, unquote, if she were ranked against the men. And Serena didn't like that very much. First, the people of Twitter and social media didn't like it very much. And they first started to defend their girl, Serena. Then Serena sent out a couple of tweets that basically told John that, well, she never played anybody like like. So uh, she wouldn't know how she'd actually rank against a guy named like. And uh, please get your name out my mouth so I can have my baby and live in peace. And essentially, that was it. And the number one story for the week by leaps and bounds. This one was literally 300% more response than uh, the other 
the, uh, the, the, the last one, which is Serena Williams' story, and that's the U.S. Army Base Redstone Arsenal lockdown. Now, a couple days ago here in the States, a uh, base in Alabama, the Redstone Arsenal, was planning for an active shooter uh, drill on the, the next day, but then the word came out of an active shooter coming out the day before. Uh, they got about 90 uh, 911 calls, emergency calls of what was going on. A couple buildings were locked down severely. The whole base was shut down for a while. As one was suspected, it was a pretty big deal of what was going on. We've had a couple active shooter issues in the past uh, decade here in the state, so it's been something that people are leery of, which is why they're going to have the drill the next day anyway. It's a pretty much standard thing to have a drill for various sorts of actions, but for those things, you release the information out to the, the local area so they don't think anything's going on. You release things out to the staff so they know if things are slow, that why things are slow. And there'll be particular areas that will be off limits to keep people from just kind of wandering into a drill thing. Essentially, this was a hoax. It was a very well-planned out, plotted out hoax that turned into maybe a great use of time because it tested their active shooting protocol but not in the way that they expected, not in an actual active shooting um, occasion or in a real drill where they can actually keep an eye on how things are going and score things. It was just kind of a, a fluke that really happened and caused a lot of panic for about four or five hours, uh, specifically in Alabama, but across the nation as we were watching to see what was going to go down in that area. And there you have it, the top 10 stories for the past week via you guys, what you guys responded to via thisisaconversation.com. In just a bit, we'll come back and we'll talk about the other thans, the ones that didn't make the top 10, and that, of course, includes the end of an era for the Knicks again with Phil Jackson. Also, the other story, uh, a lot of sports story, a little story that involves a Venus Williams. That's a sad one. Tim Tebow doing better than we expect. That's a good one. And I did say we'll talk about the man that looked like SpongeBob SquarePants, who no longer is with us. Well, well, he's with us. The guy that told him that is the one that's not with us. We'll kind of get in that in just a bit. One of the greatest perks about my day job working for a major level radio cluster in a big size market is the fact that I get a chance to talk and interact with some of the greatest people in the world, literally, uh, because they come into the studio either by phone or just in person for what we have to offer up the broadcasting power we have. The second greatest and might be 1A is the fact that they have great coffee here at the office. But when I'm not working at the office, when I'm doing things from home or it's the weekend and I'm far away from this studio, what do I do about great coffee, especially the great coffee they bring in here? Well, I can take care of it myself at a very good price by going to Coffee for Less. Now, Coffee for Less offers up exactly what you're looking for in the best coffee available at a great price and delivered straight to your home. You don't have to go shopping for it. You don't have to buy a subscription for it. You don't have to go and look at obscure places. You don't even have to go roast your own beans and grind your own, none of that stuff. Coffee for Less offers exactly what you need. If you're looking for ground coffee, they have all the ground coffees and all the major brands you're looking for. If you're looking for beans, if that is your thing, they have beans as well. They'll send you the right teas. They offer of coffee machines. And if you are a K-Cup user, they have K-Cup in essentially every single brand you can think of. Uh, if you scream Mountain Coffee, Folgers Coffee, if you want to go Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, they can offer you exactly what you're looking for in the right flavors, in the right blends, in the right packages. 
in the right sizes at the right price delivered straight to your home. Now, to get on this deal, we have great things going on for you by going to thisistheconversation.com slash coffee for less. And we have a great deal, great discounts for you. And just a little bit of insight, they have a contest going on right now where you can enter to win free coffee for a year. Nothing better than great coffee at a great price than free coffee for a full 365 days. Go to the website, thisistheconversation.com slash coffee for less, and you can get in on this great deal. And, of course, get in on a great price right now. And do us a solid. We thank Coffee for Less for fueling what we have going on here for the conversation. It's always great to be caffeinated on a long day of news gathering. And Coffee for Less takes care of that for a great price. We've gone through our top 10. So what other stories were big in the news this week and big with you guys for this conversation? Well, there's these are in no particular order, but these stories did not quite make the list. This one was in the particular order. This one is number 11. This one was fighting hard to stay all week long in the top 10, and I thought I was going to do it until the Emmett Till story punched it out of the way. But Dora the Explorer, you may have heard of her. She's a cartoon character. She is six years old, and she walks around with a monkey named Boots. Or she's about 12 and has a group of friends, and they go through a magic island, and they learn great adventures about nature and life and people and friendship. Or she's a hurricane. Hurricane Dora formed in the Pacific Ocean off Mexico's coast early this week, and because of the name Dora the Explorer and because it was off the coast of Mexico, the door because it was Dora the Explorer. Because it, it was named Dora and it was off the coast of Mexico, Dora the Explorer jokes were all abound. Uh, as of this writing and this reading, the, the hurricane did not hit land, did not make any major damage. And we're hoping that it has been dissipated and be gone by the time you hear this. But Dora the Explorer got all the jokes this week because of Hurricane Dora. Meanwhile, a couple of sports things happening, some actual sports, some not-so-actual sports. Let's start off with James Dolan parting ways with Phil Jackson. The owner of the New York Knicks uh, parted ways and ended his relationship with Phil Jackson by firing him. Phil Jackson says it was a mutual parting of the ways, which meant he just got fired. Of course, Phil Jackson came into New York City and did a whole lot of things weird, including bringing the triangle offense in, bringing in some coaches who really didn't have the experience to work, signing Carmelo Anthony for a lot of money, then making him feel like he was unwanted. But he did sign um, Christoph Porzingis, the unicorn, a man who, after being drafted two years ago, had people scratching their heads and wondering to fire Phil Jackson then, only to watch the kid play for two seasons as an amazing player and wonder, of course, why the greatest man in the world is being fired because fans of New York Knicks are kind of crazy. Meanwhile, we go to Tim Tebow next. Tim Tebow is moving up in the farm system for the Mets. He's going from lower single A to upper single A. Now, when I originally saw this, I I put it in in the headline as from single to double A. He's not really going to double A. He's not really that good. But he's going from very, 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 very poor baseball to not as very, very poor baseball. What's good for Tim Tebow is the team he left was on his way to a championship for the season. Yay, minor league baseball. The team he's going to is going to make a lot of money with people coming to see Tim Tebow. Yay, minor league baseball. Tim Tebow has no chance of making it to the Mets unless essentially a 1,000 players die between him and being called up because there's that many people in the way for him to actually step onto the plate to take any one spot, and he's not that good. But Tim Tebow at least doing good enough that he did hit a home run in his first at-bat in A+. 
like he did his first at-bat in the Instructional League uh, sometime last year. So he's not as good as he ought to be, but he's good enough to make some money because he's Tim Tebow. Venus Williams was found at fault in a car crash that led to a fatality. A 70-year-old man died because of a car crash about a year and a half ago that Venus Williams was involved in. So that's the sad uh, minor ending to this story. What's going to come from sentencing, we'll find out sooner or later. But uh, the the investigation of the crash says that Venus Williams was at fault of the car crash. The man didn't die on the scene, but he died later of injuries. We'll see how that rolls out a little bit down the way. Ichiro Suzuki, who is good enough to play big-time baseball, is the oldest to ever start a game in center field in Major League Baseball. This happened at the age of 43. It happened last week where, in, while playing for the Marlins, he started in center field, oldest player to be out there playing the game. And he'll probably keep playing fairly well for a couple of years or so, although he might not get the full-time gig. He'll have plenty of time relieving people because he's got plenty of power going on. Suzuki, even though he started in Japan and played many years in Japanese baseball, probably a lot to go fairly high first year probably ballot for the Hall of Fame in baseball when his time is officially up. We also have a umpire, more baseball if you will, an umpire uh, from uh, the who's going to work a Pittsburgh uh, uh, Pirates game that day, just walking across the Pittsburgh Bridge, seeing a young lady who's eyeing like she's going to uh, cross over to the guardrail and jump the bridge. He walks over to her calmly and asks her, hey, what's going on? And she states, oh, she just wants to see the vision of the city from the other side of the railing. And then he, she initially wrapped his arm around her and said, no, why don't you stay over here and let's look at it from this side. We was able to talk to her, keep her still, keep her calm, and keep her from obviously jumping over the bridge until police arrived to take over the situation. And then, of course, he walked over to the ballpark and did his job, which is the big thing on that. So congratulations for, one, a life being saved, and two, another just a, a great thing, a great story to have in sports. And our final sports-ish thing we have is Usain Bolt. A lot of sports this week, I guess it is. Usain Bolt had a little hard time over the weekend trying to uh, warm up for the World Championships. He did win his races, which were, you know, what's there. But he didn't win about like three or four strokes, three or four lengths of people like he has been. He had to struggle to put on the juice to win what were called um, uh, the races in Australia, in some weird Middle Eastern European country. Uh, we'll see if his warm-up is going to be something to actually scare a little bit into him to get back on serious training, or whether the time of Usain Bolt, after about three cycles of Olympics uh, uh, dominance, is underway as if, if it's gone some other stories around the world of course you've heard about the peta not peta um uh virus a ransomware i should say that's going across the world uh, it came out and a vaccine was found for this but not a f- for a cure not a few killer for the actual va- uh, uh ransomware this one not as big as the one that came out a few weeks ago but uh, still uh, uh, attacking various uh, nations and various computer systems in some places Murray Energy ended up suing John Oliver and HBO over a coal industry story they had on last week tonight a few weeks ago. Now, essentially, the man who runs Murray Energy is uh, old and in, in, in very ill health. And in the lawsuit, they basically stated that that the man uh, was put in such a poor light that, of course, it's, hope, it's deteriorating his health even further. He may not live through to see the actual court proceedings because court takes some time. Uh, but they're suing the, essentially for damages for putting the, the industry and, of course, that company in bad light. 
Now, the story they had on last night tonight uh, basically said that this man and his company was doing more to make the coal jobs worse than make coal jobs better. We know Donald Trump is really big on coal jobs, not so much energy jobs, but coal in particular in an industry that has uh, literally less people that work in it than work at McDonald's. And trust me, there's a lot of folks working at McDonald's. Prada is selling a money clip that looks like a big paper clip for $185. If you're into big paper clips, you can get one, and once you spend the money on the paper clip, you probably won't have any money to put into it, but it's a nice thing to have, apparently. A man was convicted of stabbing another man after man number one called man number two a SpongeBob SquarePants lookalike. Literally, he said he was as ugly as SpongeBob SquarePants. They had a tussle. He stabbed the man and wasn't quite sure what exactly happened in, in the scuffle. But um, one, uh, but the um, the man who was stabbed, his his baby's mama, for lack of a better term, was there and watched it go down. The two men separated. The man who was stabbed walked on to a local park, died on the scene. The man who stabbed drove off, threw his knife into a river, and was caught a few days later after the full story came out. So there's your, um, I guess, moral to the story is be careful who you want to call uh, someone who is ugly as a cartoon character because he might have a knife. I, I don't know. The Pew Research Survey finds that uh, very few overseas citizens have faith in Trump's leadership ability. In fact, around little, a little under 30% have faith in in, in, in Putin's leadership ability, in Putin's ability to take over and do things and not kill people, than he do in Donald Trump, who had about 22% uh, to just lead things in general. It's showing that our view, their, our view of us is different from our the view of us on the world stage. And in fact, it's getting very worse. When people are happier to see uh, President Putin show up than President Trump, we probably got some issues to need to work on maybe less tweeting, that might be something that could help as well. We also had a Minnesota woman who was charged and fatally shooting her boyfriend, and this is just flat-out stupidity. A group of people trying to be YouTube famous decide they're going to do a stunt. They're going to fire a bullet into an encyclopedia, saving the man's life to show, you know, just like you see on all the movies, when somebody's shooting at you, you grab a book and it'll stop a bullet. Books don't stop bullets. The man died the man was shot by his girlfriend in front of their three-month-old kid all sorts of just non-hilarity is ensuing in this one right now so this is just an, an awful awful story which should be something along the lines to show people that being famous is not as all it's cracked up to be especially when you're trying to be famous by doing things that are very stupid and not very stupid, but our final kind of story of the week is on Greta Van Susteren, who is now out of a job again, this time not so much on her own volition. She is leaving MSNBC after six months. She was told while preparing for her show on Thursday that the show she did the night before on Wednesday was her final show. She's put out one tweet saying, I'm gone. MSNBC put out a press release saying who was taking over the spot. And we're not exactly sure how things rolled. Even though her ratings were not as high as her competitors on the other two major networks, CNN and Fox News, her ratings were pretty respectable for what it was in its time slot on a cable news news show. Uh, where she goes to next, we don't know. Of course, she started out on CNN. Listening started off just a regular lawyer doing some fill-in spot to talk about the O.J. Simpson trial, of all things. That turned into a regular gig and then turned to a nighttime, uh, you know, 
nighttime show where she's actually doing news and notes there. That turned to a 14-year gig over at Fox where CNN contract was over. There was nothing apparently bad from there other than the fact that a bigger contract showed up. Uh, she left Fox because of the issues going on with Roger Ailes. She was a very big supporter of Roger Ailes, and she did have contract issues leaving there. MSNBC gobbled her up, gave her a earlier time slot, and, well, maybe that's where the problem lies. She was better for later television than for earlier, but now she is out at MSNBC. Over the week, we lost um, a handful of people. The ones that we noted in our conversations included legendary New York news reporter Gay Pressman at 93, also the creator of Paddington Bear, Michael Bond, at 91, and the co-author of the song, Na 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 Na, Hey 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 Goodbye. Yes, that's the actual title uh, of it. Not Kiss Her Goodbye or Kiss Him Goodbye. It's Na 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 Na, Hey 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 Goodbye. That's the legal name of the song. His name was Gary DiCarlo. He's dead at 74. He died of a battle with leukemia. Those are the stories, some of the bigger stories, that didn't quite make the top ten, but we thought were worth mentioning in this part of the story as well. So thank you so much for being here for the full podcast. We definitely enjoy the conversations and the interaction we have with you all week long and weekend long as well. We do still do our posts and our tweets on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. When the news doesn't stop, it may slow down a bit until bigger stories come in. But we recapped all those three days on Monday, and Monday through Friday we'll have a recap of the day or days before. And then we recap the full week on on Saturday. And coming soon we'll have a Sunday commentary. I'll get a chance to kind of get out of the news headlines where I'm trying to be maybe not so much impartial, but I'm trying to at least get out the details that actually happened and trying to keep my commentary to a yeah, minimum where I can just straight up talk about what I want to talk about. Hopefully you will enjoy that. Maybe you won't enjoy that. Hopefully you will engage in conversation with that as well. That is coming. As long as, uh, as well as the interviews I've been hyping ever since we started doing this format. We're going to get them in soon. We're going to get them in soon. And sometimes life gets in the way of the plans of the business, but we're going to make that happen soon. But speaking of business, we want to remind you that you can help us in our business and we can help get you paid as a part of it. We're going to spread the wealth, if you will. We have the conversation survey panel where if you want to be a part of it, we're going to ask you some questions that are sent to us from other companies and other groups who are looking for your input. We're going to pay you for it. It's simple like that. We're going to pay you for it. We're not going to make you qualify or requalify or anything like that. Once we get a list of things that you're into, we're going to send you surveys that are based on that list. And if you fill out the survey, we'll pay you directly through PayPal. It's not going to get you rich by any means, but trust me, it's a nice thing to know that people out there are looking for your opinion, and your opinion really does matter. We're going to make sure that it gets out there to the right people looking for the right things. So to join the conversation survey panel, just go to thisistheconversation.com slash survey panel. Of course, our main website, thisistheconversation.com for all the great things we have going on. And on social media, follow us at TH underscore conversation for Twitter and this is the conversation for Facebook. You do that, and as we send down stories throughout the days, you just react to them, you tweet them, retweet them, comment on them, vote on them. We're doing some Twitter polls now as well. Tell us what looks like a good story to you, and we will tell you on Saturday which stories look like good stories to all of y'all. It's that simple. Uh, if you want to see other projects I have going on, my main website is jclevenpain.net. And at the end of every podcast, I thank you so much profusely, mostly, for being a part of the gang, being a part of the process, and being in our conversation. That I'm going to do that just right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
the podcast, the website, the whole shebang does not work without you out there joining us in on conversation and talking about and reacting to the biggest stories and sometimes the not so biggest stories of the day of the week. So thank you for allowing us a chance to have these conversations and to make sure they keep going. A couple extra things to do. Just subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on the podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. We've said that plenty of times. Share what you have with friends. And, of course, give us ratings and reviews at whatever site you get your podcast from. That way we're ranked a little bit higher. More people can find us organically. And it helps the whole thing go down. And, of course, just be here right now for Monday. We'll recap the full weekend's worth of news. And then five days a week all next week. And come back next Saturday. We'll talk about what stories were at the top. What stories were at the top. In the weekly wrap-up podcast for This is the Conversation Podcast.